right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here, got a fun little twist of an episode for you. We are going to talk shortly with Lynn Marriott and Pia Nilsson of Vision 54. We've had them on in the past to talk about a few of their books. This session, we're going to let Neil kind of explain it to you, but I thought it'd be fun to just kind of uh, experiment and have kind of have Neil get a live coaching mental golf session um, on live on the air. And this isn't normally how they coach their players, basically working through some questions and some deficiencies that Neil has. And uh, it was really, really fun. I thought it very, very interesting and helpful to my own game as well. And that's kind of the idea. Hopefully you find it helpful as well. P and Lynn are both part of the Schwab Golf Challenger Series. You can find that out at uh, schwabgolf.com. A ton of really cool uh, content around some really cool people in the game of golf. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach, an official fitness wearable of both the PGA and the LPGA tours. You can monitor your sleep, your recovery, your training, and your health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. It helps you train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new 4.0, the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. It's smaller, it's smarter, it's designed with biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. Just helps you you make better decisions in your life. If you know drinking a bunch of alcohol right before bed makes you sleep worse and makes it harder to train the next day or harder to, you know, basically telling you you didn't your body didn't rest overnight, you're going to stop doing that. And that's what I've found to be one of the great benefits of Whoop. Many many benefits of it. For the all new waterproof device, it is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months of membership or uh, left on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code NLU15 at checkout. Go to Whoop.com. W whoop.com enter nlu15 at checkout to save 15 percent. here is lynn marriott and pia nelson well neil we've had pia and lynn on before and we did a, a great episode about the book be a player a couple years ago um i got a lot out of it i don't know what your familiarity is with it but i thought we might do something a little different today why don't you tell us tell the listeners what we're doing today uh, you know i glanced at it i i i took some literature uh it was very helpful i think as as you know Sally, i i feel like the, the mental side of the game is I don't want to say held me back. I think I've gotten a lot better at it over the last three or four years now that golf's become a, a big part of my life. But there's always work to be done, and I'm always looking to get better. So I'm really, really excited to, uh, you know, to come into the, uh, I guess, a, a version of the film room here with Pia and Lynn and, and just kind of break down, a, wh- what do I do well, where do I need to improve? And and selfishly, I'm hoping to uh, tangentially pick up a few things because my mental game needs a little maintenance. I, I think I know the lessons, but it needs a little maintenance, which is what we learned last time. But welcoming in Lynn Marriott and Pia Nilsson uh, from many books and many li- uh, pieces of literature across, across the world at this time. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Why don't you give us a quick intro uh, for those that may not have heard our previous episode into into Vision 54, what you guys do. We'll start with Lynn because there are two different people in the line. I always want to separate uh, separate the accents. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Lynn Marriott, and I'm the American with the American accent, and I'm co-founder of Vision 54, and P and I have been doing Vision 54 20-some years, 20-plus years. I'm a PJ professional, LPJ professional, and just happy to be here to help Neil today. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously I'm Pia Nilsson and Swedish American. But anyway, so what we do with Vision 54, the main 
thing is to help golfers play better on the golf course and enjoy it more. And when I say that is, of course, you need technical skills, but we know there's so much more. And we get want to make sure more golfers get the fuller view of the skills needed to, to play your best. So that's our big passion. And, and to look more at golf for what happens on the golf course for us is more interesting than what happens on the driving range. So we do that with professional players and what we call the real golfers, those other 99.9% of golfers on the planet. And then yeah. we train a lot of coaches to around the world. Yeah. And, and just for clarity for the listeners, 54 is about embracing potential and embracing possibilities. I mean, we do believe a player will shoot 54 or lower. And we've um, supported two professional players, Annika Sorenstam and Russell Knox, who've shot 59. Um, but more importantly, for all the Neils of the world and really the majority of golfers on the planet, it's about embracing possibilities. That's well said. I think 54 has kind of been co-opted a little bit in the golf say. world. Now that I, that I hadn't really... We're thinking about changing our name to Vision 53 because you can make an eagle, you know? <laughs> and you, and yeah. you two, are, are you based in, in Arizona? Yes, yes, we are. Uh, what's, Scottsdale, Arizona. In Scottsdale. What's the course? Uh, Talking Stick Golf Club. Okay. I bring that up because I was out there for a friend of mine. He had a bachelor party, and we played out there. Myself, a bunch of horrible golfers, and I saw the logo on the tent on the range. And I thought, hey, you know what? Yeah, I could either go out and play with these idiots, or maybe I could uh, you know, just walk in and, and, and get a lesson. But I ended up... Uh, Playing with those idiots. Uh, I know, we see a lot of those groups out there. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we you got the casino out there. There's a lot. There's a lot to do for a group like that. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you guys for making an exception. This is not how you would typically coach or teach or train a player that you uh, that you would be helping in some way. But thought it'd be a fun little experiment to kind of almost have a live coaching session here on the line uh, with Neil. I kind of selfishly used the last interview to help me with a few things. I snuck a few things in there that I was trying to help with, but thought it'd be fun. Uh, yeah, the, our listeners have a lot of context in understanding Neil's struggles with the mental side of golf, but I hate to say that you've actually really improved on the mental side, but what, what, what would you credit that to you know, the, the improvement that you've made over recent years? Uh, well, I'm always have to be the guinea pig here at NLU. <laughs> I, I like to to challenge myself. I would say I have improved. I think some of it is just I, I would start with zooming out a little bit. Like I was actually talking to somebody. We had a golf event in Ohio this weekend um, a couple days ago, and I was talking to somebody about how I've I I think I started when I started full time here doing NLU. I was an eight handicap. I'm down to a a two handicap. And sometimes it's hard to zoom out and realize like, man, that's a pretty big jump. And I'm starting yeah. to acknowledge that the easy wins, a lot of the easy gains are gone, right? Like when I was an eight handicap, the reason I was an yeah. eight, I think, was because I had a big right miss. And I think yeah. I've done a great job of simplifying my game off the tee, making better decisions, not trying to kill it, like being consistent about trying to hit the fairway and not trying to hit it as far as possible. Uh, I still pick my spots to, to do that, but I think that's really brought my scoring down uh, a lot. But now it's when you're at a two, um, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I feel like the, uh, the easy wins, you know, it's almost like going to the weight room. It's very easy to get, you know, when you start from zero, it's very easy to go to 60, but then it's very hard to get to 70 or 80%. You know what yeah. I mean? It's hard to, um, I felt that way when I played college football, that the, my, my first year, I gained a lot of strength, a lot of, you know, a lot of weight in the off season. And then as I tried to get bigger the year after that and the year after that, it got a lot harder. Diminishing returns. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think zooming out. And I think the other thing that I've noticed is I, my floor has risen. So mm -hmm. one thing I've 
you know, personally like proud of is that I haven't shot over 90 since I think 2019 or early 2019. And looking at my scores, like in, you know, the USGA app, my average score has gone from, you know, 81 to 80. And now this year it's 78. So okay. the bad rounds are not as bad. I think my highest score this year is an 85, right? So, but it's hard because I don't have, you know, I think my best score this year is a 73, which is not like I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm scared to go low. Maybe that's a little bit of it, but the, you know, the ceiling hasn't gone up yet. Um, and I think that's, you know, keeping some perspective on it, that's hard to do, right? That's the part that is like, can you break through to the next, uh, you know, the next level uh, ceiling wise, but it's worth acknowledging that I think my floor has gotten a lot higher and that's why my handicaps come down. So how, mm. how good do you want to be? Yeah. Uh, I would love to be a zero plus handicap. I would, I would, you know, I, and I, Charlie and I have talked about this on a few pods. Like my, I don't think my goals are big enough right now in golf, but yeah. for me this year, it was, I wanted to get to a zero. I don't know if I'm going to get there. You know, we're running out of, maybe running out of time. I'm, uh, I haven't played quite as much this year. I need to practice more, but going into next year, maybe we set some bigger goals for next year. So, so do you want to be a scratch plus as a competitive player or more recreational playing with your buddies? I think I, I, I love the competitive side of golf. I would like to, to play more competitive golf. Yeah. Um, and hopefully over the next five to 10 years, I, you know, I make the effort to do that. That's, that's more the balls in my court there. But I, I guess for this conversation, it would be, you know, what takes me from two, you know, to zero. Um, and okay. I think, you know, on the mental side of the game, one thing that, that I struggle with right now is I feel like I can do it. I can play really well and stay very focused for nine holes. I really struggle with the consistency over 18. I still have a, like a rogue double bogey every round. And a lot of it is like unfocused, uh, one bad decision, sometimes one bad swing, but I think that comes from not being focused as well. That's my, you know, kind of self-diagnosis. And then I think for if I really wanted to improve, I think proximity to the hole is something, you know, when I have wedge in my hand, I still have a mindset, I think, of a six handicap where it's like, oh, hey, I hit the green, you know, from 100 yards. Like, that's a 20-footer. And it's like, we have to, we have to uh, expect more, I think, when I have, you know, 125 and in. Um, yeah. So that's kind of on the high end of like, hey, you need to think a little different. And then on the other side, it's like, how can I maintain that focus throughout a round so that I don't have that double that, you know, leads to me shooting 73 instead of 71. Okay. And, and just realistically, everybody says they want to practice more. <laughs> sure. But realistically, you know what, I mean, yeah. yeah. How much time can you actually dedicate to, you know, some game improvement time? So it's funny because I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty goal oriented person. Kind of in the the physical world, I, I just uh, I climbed uh, Mount Rainer out in Seattle, and I so I dedicated a bunch of time to training for that. So if I set a goal and I take you know, it's something we're going to do. I I can find the time to practice. Right now, you know, I I I, I would say I just I'm not doing it right. So I need to set. That's that's a you know I know you guys can't help with that right. <laughs> but I, I it's not that I don't like to practice. I just. Uh, I think our issue is. I think they can help with that. I mean, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so much about practice is knowing, you know, where am I going to get my biggest ROI? Sure. And then, you know, having very specific action things you're going to do. And but, even with our skills, you know, what people call the mental game, we call them the human skills, not mental skills. But they need 
they need practice as well and they need action there you know there's not just like a flip of a switch sure. well <laughs> and why why it, it can be fine even if you don't go out to the golf course and practice because there are other ways of improving too so it's just being realistic this is how much i can practice so then we will know what you can improve on yeah and i'll just say like with the proximity to the hole that's pretty simple in that you know setting up a place where you can get feedback you know on hitting those 125 yeah. yard shots in you know so just yeah. one quick question already about that focus you talked about yeah. just making sure you're not trying to like focus the whole time no, meaning I'm... you focus for a golf shot and then you take a break or just no it's out. it's not so much that it's uh we kind of have a joke around here of like Everything becomes clear to me after the fact, which is a very obvious thing to say, but it's almost like immediate for me. Like I, I rarely on the golf course am I like, I don't know what happened there. You know, a lot of people say like, I, I don't like, it's not like a rogue swing. I don't shank it. I don't, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's more like immediately after I hit it, I'm like, why was I trying to do that? You know, it's, it's bad course management. It's, uh, you know, trying to maybe get greedy in a certain spot or, you know what, I'm going to try to hit a punch you know, I'll give you an example on the, I was on the 10th hole at Springfield country club and I hit, you know, it's a one, it was like a one Oh five shot. I should hit in the wind was behind me. I should have hit my 60 degree. I don't like to, you know, make a full swing with wedges. Instead, I tried to hit like a punchy, you know, 48 degree, which is going to go 120. Well, guess what? I hit it great. And I, I flew the green. And I hit it right into, you know, lost ball into, into the, into the junk. And immediately mm -hmm. I was like, the play here was the pin was in the back. The, you know, the green slopes front back to front. Like if I come up short here, it's not a big deal. Like why am, what am I doing? Why am I not thinking that through? And immediately after I was like, that was just such a boneheaded decision. And there's one <laughs> of those waiting for me. You know, I, I can't, I can't seem to play the complete game, I guess is how I would put it. Um, so, and I, so, so when you play and you play well, so share with us what you do before the shot. But, you what's, know, what's, how, what's your, you know, all of us, you know, we call it the think box, but before the shot, then what do you like to focus on during the swing or motion when you play well? Yeah. If I can just interject here, I want to set the scene yeah. a little bit for Neil, that he was a college football player. He hits it very far. He has, is very athletic and is, I've seen over the years, him honing with a focus in on golf, how much he's improved in it. So he has incredible physical skills. And I, if I may say, unlimited potential. I, I just want to set that part of the scene for for the conversation because of how yeah. how much better he's improved and how yeah. uh, how how well he hits the ball. Thank you, Salik. Yeah. Appreciate that. I've never told you that. Well, but. but you know what they say: the you know worst thing in the world is wasted talent, right? So that's why golf can be a little bit of a it can be tough for me because I do feel oh. like I should be playing. You know, I should be scoring okay. better. Yeah. yeah. So tell me okay. how do you, what do you do there before the shot? Because well, just want to check it up on what you're doing so yeah. you know so i've come off the tee um and i would say pretty much every shot you know other than maybe chipping and putting i have a good like free throw routine and uh, actually max homa talking to him on a show we did strapped years ago he was like you have to you have to find a free throw routine. he he told me he was like you're doing something different on every tee shot and do, and so i've come to a you know one practice swing i kind of find my you know my feel or almost my trigger and then I pick my target, I step up, I do, I do usually one waggle, I kind of set my shoulders, and then I go. And when I stick mm -hmm. to that, you know, some days you have the feel, I'm a, I'm, I, I do sense that I'm a, when I'm playing my best, I'm playing athletically, kind of with, with feel. Um, yep. So 
I find that when I see my swing, like on camera, it starts to make me try to perfect it instead of just, you know, playing my swing. And I think that that's worked now for the past year and a half or so, because I used to skip around to different swing feels, right? And then you start stacking swing feels and it spins out of control. You got to start all over again. And they become uh, swing thoughts. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I've done a really good job the last year, I think, of sticking to you know, a, a very specific routine. And I think yeah. it's really helped me off the tee. And I would say that's why my handicap is, has fallen. It um, sounds it sounds really good. And it sets you up for being more sensory and athletic. But when, since you talk about the making not so good decision at times, so what, is it decision making before? How do you do that? Because obviously before that you be go more. into your free throw routine. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I think that where you're not yeah, yeah I think it's decisions around. So we did another show with Mark Leishman's caddy, uh, Maddie Kelly, who lives here in Jacksonville. We went out to our local course and we played the, uh, you know, the forward tees. And the goal was for me to break par from the forward tees with a professional caddy. And, you know, spoiler alert, I, I shot four under. And a lot of the reason I shot four under was because he was on the bag. And there was a specific hole, the tent, it was the first number one at Jack's Beach, but our 10th. And the front bunker was like 205. And I said, he's like, well, that's, you know, five iron. And I said, well, in my head, I always want to like buy a little extra insurance. So I was like, instead of hitting four, I was like, well, let's just hit driving iron. Let's take the bunker out of play. And he was like, no, we're going to hit, we're going to plan for a good shot. And I think that that is something that I still struggle with is that I try to, I see, I get zeroed in on one issue and that's left over from you a time period where you didn't hit every shot pure. Exactly. You hit almost every shot pure now. Yeah, and so it's like I, I, I was like, ah, well, if I hit a perfect five iron, I'd probably carry that bunker by one yard. And, well, okay, well, let's just, let's just club up. And, and then, well, guess what? You hit a good four iron, it's going to go 215, and you're going to be over the green, right? And yeah. so yeah. I have a bad habit of, like, taking that first piece of trouble out or getting, getting locked in on that probably – especially when I don't have a caddy to talk through it with. So also mm-hmm. Maddie talked me off. He said, we're hitting five iron. Of course I hit it to 10 feet. I made, you know, Eagle there. And it was just kind of a wake up call for me of like, uh, you know, and he was like, yeah, you have to plan. He's like, Mark and I always plan to hit a good shot. Cause if you're not doing that, that if you're not starting from the best outcome, you know, or we're going to play away from trouble, but like from a, you know, a, a yardage standpoint, we have to plan to hit the shot. Well, Right. And, and if you're yeah, because absolutely. You, because you, you, and not, not have this state of avoidance. Exactly. Because you're, you're a good yeah. enough player. If you had a 20 handicap or 25, it might be different, but now mm. it's a, you know, whatever, one, two, that's really smart. So it seems like, is there a chance for you to have a good caddy that you can play a few rounds with to just learn how to talk through decision-making differently for yourself? I think, you know, it's, I don't, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, maybe. I've tried. Listen, some of these things that Maddie was telling him, I've told him for four years, and all of a sudden he's like, he's like, oh man, that made a lot of sense. Conservative yeah. targets, aggressive well, swings. I'm like, I've been telling you that for years. Normally, Sally, normally I'm competing against Solly, and that's it, it okay. matters okay. who's giving you the coaching. Got it. But, you, but know, you know, we we did coaching this weekend with an LPGA player, and it was really great because Pia just said, you know. She actually was having a caddy issue, and um, we just said, "Hey, it's time for you to like step up and be your own caddy today, because like <laughs> yeah. this one isn't doing it, you know." And I mean, we said you're you're very able to coach yourself out there, and to even be your own caddy, you know. So, I mean, Neil, a little bit. That's it sounds like, you know, you almost have to have this 
Talk yeah, and that's you. that's where it's like I I'm starting to I think like that example with with Maddie is a perfect one of like I know like that was a big learning experience for me. It's just it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's the consistency. Yeah. I still once around like I don't I used to do it all the time where I would say oh well let's hit four iron and you know take the trouble out of the way. Now it's I, it, that bad habit still pops up once around and it's like I need is to it fu- usually in your back nine. Usually in the back nine. Yeah, usually when okay. things are going well. <laughs> I have okay. a tendency to get... Oh, you're reaching your limit. Yeah. Like, you know, back yeah. to goal setting. But, you know. but just that you have fine-tuned a new habit for your, you know, more pre-shot routine. Now it's time to just take it the step before that. I mean, you can even write note card and have in your bag to remember how to think through your shop. But it's just your next step in creating the nil habit of decision-making. And even I think if you go and play your home course, nine holes in the evening, whatever, that you, you play some rounds with two decisions on every shot and just keep experimenting what, what happens. Okay. You know? Yeah. With and, aggressive yeah. to maybe, yeah. you know, less aggressive or however you want to say that. But, but, but if you say yeah. you, you forget it sometimes, you just need to write it on your hand or glove or in the note cards that I need to look there and I can't step into my, my free-flowing routine t- until I've checked up on it till mm-hmm. it's a new habit sure and and i want i want to address this back to what, uh, what you said a little while ago or what Sally said even about you that you set your goals too low because you know if you've set in your mind you know and you have a belief system that you're only so good i mean the break comes on sure and so like i'll, I'll never forget we had this conversation with suzanne Pedersen okay. years ago we were on the putting green at bay hill and she said, you know, we said, well, how low do you think you want to go? And she goes like five under, right? It wasn't something like that. And, and um, so like a 67. And so she goes, but you know what happens is like I get five under on the front nine. And then what do I do? She goes, I can feel myself just, you know, I don't have permission to go low. 1000% is a yeah. massive, and massive it issue for me. There's something going on with that for sure with you. A quick break here to check in with our friends at Roback. You've heard us talk a lot about them. It is fall. It is Roback SCN officially. These guys understand quality. There's only one way to describe Roback. It is best fit, best feel. I absolutely love wearing their clothes. They're comfortable. My wife loves when I wear their clothes. She even demanded that I get her a hoodie recently uh, because of how fresh our brand new Roback hoodies looked in our shop. We couldn't even keep them in, in stock. They think they're just flying off the shelves. Their performance polos fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. Their four-way stretch next level material is super soft. Their performance quarter zips are a game changer. It, it, they're absolutely perfect for a fall round of golf, fall morning, having a coffee on the porch, whatever it might be you can use them in so many different situations and lastly the hoodies the stretchiest softest hoodies in golf i start my morning pretty much every morning with a roback hoodie on having a little coffee uh outside they're gaining traction big time and you can use code nlu at roback.com for a generous 20 percent off your first order through the end of this week that's roback.com r-h-o-b-a-c-k.com 20 percent off polos q-zips hoodies and more with code nlu they just got some joggers as well that i cannot wait to get my hands on Let's get back to P and Lynn. Well, there's a lot of failing on camera uh, at those at those levels. Uh, my nickname is Icarito because it's almost like I fly too close to the sun in Little Icarus. The wings, the, the wax melts, and and I yeah. fall back to earth. But but Neil, what we found being so important with this, and it I mean, even happened with Annika shooting 59. She started with eight straight birdies, and she said it felt too good to be true. Sure. So she was almost relieved getting one par before she got their act together again. But the, the point is that, you know, 
that when you go on the golf course and tee up, I mean, the best way we've ever seen it happen to go really low, that you decide for yourself, like, your game mm. within the game. Okay. Your game is to win or go low or as low as possible, but your game within the game that, you know, it could be, you know, this one practice swing and get a feel and the target and go. I'm going to, I'm just going to count how many from scale one to 10, how many tens of those I do today. Okay. And I'm going to have a game within the game that is more under my control. And you keep all your focus there and allow the birdies to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we find all the best players, they might not talk about it, but they have something they're paying attention to. This is more in the process. Because, you know, if you do that fully, it's going to allow whatever outcome to be as low as it could be that day. And I have found that that game within a game has helped me, I think, over the last couple years of like I, I made some goals last year. Like I wanted to have 10 rounds. Uh, this is in 2021 without a double bogey, uh, mm-hmm. which seems, you know, like, oh, that's that should be easy to do. But when you're in the round and it's it's let's say you're you know, I'm not going to it's not going to be a banner day or my best score. If you're on 14 or 15 and I haven't had a double, it keeps you in the mindset. It keeps me competing instead of like, oh, well, you know, I'm eight over. It's no big deal. It's like, well, no, I haven't had a double yet. So let's stay focused. Let's stay in it. So that that resonates with me in a big way. That helps you kind of reframe and get and stay on track or get back on track. Yeah, it's like little wins that keep you, you know, keep yeah. me focused. So I think yeah. figuring out some other ones. And I, I, I guess my maybe a, uh, a way for me to improve that is. Some of my little wins are a lot are avoiding disasters or, you know, avoiding bad things. I think I, I tend to, when I'm not playing well, or uh, to give you an example off the tee, when I'm not striking it well, I'm worried about, instead of thinking I want to hit this target, it's saying, okay, don't go there, right? It's the, it's the downside thinking that I think gets me in trouble. I mean, it's back to the kind of the avoidance. Exactly, exactly. Mindset that, that you can slip into versus, okay, what is the potential here? You know, and even like Pia said, like going out and practicing that on the golf course and having an aggressive decision and then a, maybe an avoidance decision just to give it a, a name, you know, and just check out what that's like, yeah. you know, or having, again, a mini goal or a little win game of, you know, how many aggressive decisions can I make today? Okay. And be like 100% committed to that decision. Yeah. yeah. Not, you know, not nines, but like tens. Yeah. And yeah. to Lynn said, we, ha- we do this a lot with players because maybe they have avoidance or they are scared at certain shots or whatever. I mean, you can't take that away. They are going to feel scared or you're going to feel avoidance. But if you know to have a game within the game, I'm going to see how many super strong finishes I can feel. I hold my finish for two seconds and I feel super strong in my body. If you do that, it doesn't matter if you have avoidance or scared because it's going to be a committed swing. Yeah. So you need to find your cues like that, that something simple like what I'm doing, but I need to have extra focus on that strong feeling it finish might take you through it. Yeah. And it, and just, you know, hearing the story of going out with Mark Leishman's caddy, it sounds like he provided that like permission <laughs> and a little bit of go that you need to say, let's go for it. I do think that, you know, yeah, if I played golf for, for money, you know, for a living, yeah. I think a caddy would help me tremendously. I'm, I feel like I'm very coachable, right? Like I, you, you know what you're, I would disagree, but that's fine. Well, but in the right <laughs> setting, right? Like See, with, I was thinking, I wow, can trust I, I think the, Neil I, is coachable. He is, he is. You know, <laughs> but, but we've got to get 
past generalizations and sure. down to specifics. Well, you I know, think it, it, there's a, a aspect of what he was talking about with the the clubbing and the process that he went through on that one shot with Maddie that was a light bulb moment for him that I've always – something I've realized, and I as I go to say it, I don't practice it well enough, is a good caddy will tell you front yardage and flag, right, because the best place probably to be on approach shot is somewhere between that number, right? And if you anchor yourself – if it's a back pin, if you anchor yourself at 135 – you go reach and try to hit the 135 shot, your distribution of where that shot would go might be different if you know, hey, I, I need to clear 110 and 135 is the furthest I want this to go. Your clubbing might be very different, right? It's understanding where your dispersion is going to end up is, I think, an issue for you. You see flag number. I'm going to hit an easy. You almost always go for more club to hit one easy, which I think has worked well for you. But understanding where you can't hit it and that kind of process is hard, I think, to channel in normal golf, right? When you're just out there playing, you don't get a pin sheet every round. You don't know exactly how far, you know, where that dispersion properly is because everyone just wants to go out and make birdies. And I think that's kind of a, a thing that you struggle with. Yeah, and but, Solly, I would say you've helped me with that. Like, I, it is now ingrained in me. It's a habit. Anytime I use my rangefinder, I'm looking for the front bunker. And if I have a caddy, you know, if I'm playing out at a uh, – a nice course or at a resort or whatever I say, they usually give you the pin and I say, what's the front bunker. So it's like, that's, I think I'm picking some of these things up, but it's just, it's again, it's consistency. So it goes back to the, the routine. And I guess Lynn and Pia, a question for you on, I have, feel like I have my free throw routine with like physically. Have, do you have anything like from a, dis, almost like a decision tree, like an example yeah, of how yeah. someone thinks through a tee shot or an approach shot? Yeah, and yeah. That we say it's still so individual for players, but that's why we wanted to be with you when you feel you're doing it good or with the caddy that helps you do it good and help you capture what your best way of doing it. Because, like, if you have a caddy that you trust, we'd be curious about, like, how do you feel in the body? Do you feel, like, stronger and more, like, you know, strong body language than if you're by yourself and doubting things or... Is your voice to yourself different? We would just help you because you want to create that not only good state for the actual swing, but a good state to trust your decision. Yeah. So when you have a cat, of course, he will give you some numbers or whatever, but something happens to you that you really trust it. Yes. And that you need to learn to do by yourself. So normally, like what yardage you get and all of those things, it's you you need to figure out. But then it's super important in in the state you have with your voice, with your body language, how you feel about it, so your gut can really trust it. Because yeah. in, in golf, too, the, even though all the numbers are the same, you as a human being are going to be different because of what you ate and how you slept and how you worked out, you know, how much you worked out if you're sore. So you, you want to create this habit of this is the numbers I want, this is how I talk to myself, this is... But then you you check in with your gut because some days your gut is going to tell you you know what I need half a club more today because I'm sluggish or sure. you your your adrenaline is flowing because you're doing so well you need to club down a little bit so you want to create the habit of always listening into that because you're the one that need to trust it but something happens to you when you had that caddy that made you trust it more yeah. and and we call that something happened we call that you, you get some specific ghost signal it's like neil's ghost signal and only you know it <laughs> there's no, there's no way we would know it but to get more hold of that and that that the free throw routine as you call it you know your pre-shot routine and your think box actions 
actually lead to that ghost signal. But we need something before when you make the decision. So the yeah. decision make is something you feel you can trust with all of you. Yeah. <laughs> The permission thing is enormous, though. I mean, if, if Suzanne Pedersen is dealing with bumping up against a wall for how low she feels like she can go, it's it's super easy yeah. to sit here and say, like, hey, when I get to 400 today, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying to make birdies. But when you get in that situation, no matter how many times you get there, there is kind of like a, oh, man, I really got it going today. I hope I still break par. Which is How you do it is that you you know you made the birdies, but you base it more on um, – I'm getting my facts. I'm getting the goal signals. I'm staying with my routine. And you read, you realize that's the most important game. Yeah. So you want the birdies, but you have to have more focus on what makes the birdies happen. <laughs> so, and, and I think there's another piece of that I need improvement on it. It's been an issue since I played, you know, basketball as a middle schooler. I'm very hard on myself. And I, I think yeah. you, you, you yeah you know, touched on something when I have a caddy, I think it's easier for me not to beat myself up because there's almost someone else around. So it's like, Hey, you know, stop, stop flogging yourself. Like I've, I, I don't want to, you know, be a, a bad company on the golf course. So even with a caddy, you're like, I'm going to, you know, it helps me stay a little more positive. Uh, we wear a lot of microphones on the golf course when we play on camera. Uh, those microphones have picked up a lot of self-talk that I, I was like, wow, man, you are, uh, <laughs> You know. I had a suspicion early on in our conversation that you know, we're going to get to what is your post shot reactions and if you get really internal with them and you know <laughs> very. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not even that <laughs> negative. It is, but I, I a critique I have is that you tend to live and die with every shot, right? There's I, a lot I, of them like balls in the air. Sit, go, go, yeah, go. Yeah. And it, there's there's not that uh, kind of acceptance of like, hey, this is you know back towards the mean or whatever sure. it would be. Yeah, and I, I need to know, like, yes, golf is it's not a game of perfect. It's it's just, uh, you know, I react when I, especially when I, um, and I think this comes with the downside thinking or the avoidance, when I hit the shot that I was dreading, that's when you get the biggest reaction out of me. It's like I was doing everything not to hit it there, and I just did, and I just hit it there. I, I don't handle that well. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I but on the flip side, I think something, and, and I would love your kind of, view on this is that I am a bit of a microwave man and that works both ways. Like I can really get going and, and I can feed off momentum and, and I think that can really serve you on the golf course, but then that plays both yeah. ways. I can really let it spin out of control, you know, on the, on the other side of that. So it can be very good. And I'm, I'm, I'm very streaky because of that mentally. And so that, that shows itself most on the putting green. Um, I, I either I find that I'm either putting really well or really poorly, if that makes sense. Like the rest of my game's a little more consistent, but I just I find, and I, some of this is I need to really work on a routine on the greens. I'm a little less you know free throw oriented on putting, um, but I think the putting is really where the mental stuff comes in. Like I'll let a bad lag putt be like, oh man, it's gonna be one of these days. You know, it's like immediately like, oh you know, don't have it today, and that's just you know that's not gonna get it done. Like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it sounds, you know, honestly, it sounds a little bit more emotional than mental. And yeah. and I'll just say this. So like most golfers we meet and coach are neutral to somewhat degrading themselves. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. So they play at neutral and then some level of the downward spiral. And what, what we think like to bring out your potentials, and this is all tied to, you know, 
what we know about emotional management, what happens in the brain, and blah, blah, blah. But you want to go from neutral to some rung of the upward spiral. Okay. So, you know, like you mess up that that lag putt and you go, okay, so I learned something. Sure. And you close the door, but that would be neutral and you learn something. And then when you do have a good putt, you take it in, like you emotionalize it. So you get a good memory. But you, you know, you start to say, okay, today, no matter what, I'm going to come off the golf course having been neutral or some form of positive on every post-shot reaction or every memory box, as we like to call it. Okay. That could be, again, another little mini goal or little win that you could, I think, just talking like now, could reap big benefits. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is because it will give you two things. It will save a lot of energy so you can actually be focused for every shot for 18 holes because you're not wasting it with that. And also you're going to – that's how you create memories when we really get emotional about stuff. So you're going to not store as many bad memories that way. But the first step is often, like Lynn mentioned there, when you put and you'd like put the short, that you just need to train yourself. You know what? It's short and, you know, the green is more you know wet or moist or it was more uphill than I knew or whatever. Just say something. You know, don't have to be happy, but just state something yeah. interesting. Like t- take in the information. Then, then, yeah, yeah, take it in. And yep. then you need to close the door because you're – you are a competitor. You need to get the break for the next shot. So. I think a great example, because like on that lag putt example, a lot of times, you know, I'll blow it six feet by, for instance, and instead of taking in the information on like what the putt does after the hole, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're mad. I'm getting emotional. You know what I mean? I'm getting yeah. mad. And well, it's just like, lost, lost I just lost the information. Yeah. Exactly. I lost yeah. the information. I know. So you, you need to, mm-hmm. if you want to be scratching better, you need to like just get a hold of this one. Okay. And there's no reason not to learn it. Just decide, you know what? I'm going to start with only saying something objective after the putts just to learn how to do it. Well, that what something that I find fascinating about golf is you hit a bad first lag putt. You, your your talent level before you hit that putt was right here, and when you go to hit the next shot, it is not it's 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 not moved, right? Yet we all have a tendency to either, you know, our we oh get overconfident with our talent the more good shots you hit, and if you hit a bad one, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, the rest of my day is probably trending this direction, right? Whereas uh, something I, I wanted to selfishly pick your brains on with this is I'm a I'm a weirdly good pop-a-shot player. Like a, the bar game at basketball. Like you just yeah, I, can, I can attest he is. Shoot as fast as possible, whatever. I'm weirdly good. But if I missed three shots in a row, my mental – I would actually improve mentally because I'd be like, okay, let's go faster. Let's get hot. Let's go. Let's really go get it. Yet in golf, if I make three straight bogeys – my mind does not go towards like, hey, oh, now the challenge is there. Like you're, you're, you're still really good. Go get it. Go get it. Go come, come, come get it. And I'm wondering why that is with golf. I feel like you. I mean, I feel like everyone kind of deals with that. Like the, the, you know, you make a bogey. Everyone's going to make a bogey. But how do you say? How do you flip into like now? I go on even more offense after that. Well, but I'm curious about. So when you make the bogeys in golf, do you start thinking think more? Or what, what? No, what do you because <laughs> what you what you talked about in the bar, you just let go, and you totally instinct, just athletic ability. There's yep. no thinking; you're just doing it. But what? How could you do more of that thing golf? Or how is your act? I try. I literally think when I make three straight bogeys, I think pop a shot. Like, well, how do you like go? Like, you know, you are yeah. talented. Convince yourself you're talented. It just it's harder to but change. My my issue there, and I think the difference is you can get. With golf, you try to get it all back. You press, 
right? And I, I'll do this too. Like, oh, you know, let's. There's yeah, a difference. Yeah, we try harder. Yeah, you try. You start trying, and then yeah. you start pressing to make birdies, and right. you don't let them come to you. And and I think with the Papa Shot example, you can get the instant feedback. You can get on a roll so quickly. Yeah. And the problem exactly. with golf is it takes. It's going to take 30 minutes. It's going to take two holes to get, like, any momentum. First, to get rid of all the bad stuff. And then, like, basically stop the bleeding. And then you can go on a run. And we don't – I can't – space. I need the immediate, you know, the immediate juice. I got to get it back now. (laughs) So so here's the deal. We actually do a version of Papa Shot to have people investigate how they feel trust. So they can do this putting or we actually have them do it popping like throwing range balls into a basket. So they start super close where they can't miss. Right. And we just tell them, stay aware. Like, as you just toss the ball into the basket, you know what, that's what's going on. And then move further back and throw it into the basket and move further back and throw it in the basket. And then just start to notice, this is all about self-awareness is just start to notice when something starts to change. So you might pop a shot and it still goes in the basket, but it wasn't quite as confident as that one really close. And just see if you can notice why, not really why, but how your trust changed. You know, did you get tight in your shoulders? Did you start to hold your breath? Did your eyes get faster? You know, did you change the look at, you know, where you were looking on the basket or whatever? And then go back up to where you have 100% trust and pop the shots in. And again, just get to know yourself when you have 100% trust. And it's been amazing when players do this, and it's really cool when they do it in putting too. They go, I know what it is, and all I need to do is go back to what it is when I can't miss range. So it's got, it's got to go to, again, a more specific internal awareness, so then you can repeat it. So, so it very often happens when we see golfers on the golf course when they have the you know bogus or double bogus that you know they start trying harder, getting tighter, and they think more. So it often works when we tell them, okay, you can you need to be steady. I mean, not static. You need to be dynamic, waggle, go. You can never stop. So much faster process, and many can then easily get it back. I mean, the typical thing we see with so many golfers if if they hit one drive out of bounds and they right away re-tee another one, it's very often a much better shot. Sure. Or if they have a shot over water that dumped in the water and they just take another ball and they hit the good shots and say, why is it so easy on that second shot? But many times the whole process is so much more simple. And yeah. So it it so it seems like Chris for you that you you're doing things differently in the bar and on the golf course and golf course, like you said, Neil is so different because we have time between shots and different shots, but you can still learn from it. That Mm. seems to be, you need to do more simple after the bogus. (laughs) And yeah, the hard, yeah. Just trying to convince yourself. You don't, you don't all of a sudden stink at golf because you made a couple of bad holes. Like you're still the same player. Right. So how do you channel that? That's the whole thing to me about golf is like, how do you, you know, always convince yourself that you have the talent because we all go through peaks, valleys and confidence and swing feels like you just. Yeah. And and I would just say this. I mean, again, you could ask yourself, OK, just as you said, Neil's potential didn't change after that bag, bag putt, right? Mm-hmm. Even in like, you know, after a couple bad after a couple of bogeys, you can still trust yourself like trust never leaves you. You just get in its way. Yeah. And you can ask yourself. Like right now on the golf course, what could I do where I could feel more trust? And just notice 
what you answer, how you answer yourself, you know, what your answer is to yourself. Because it could just be, hey, bud, relax. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But, you know, trust is always there. It's just we get in the way of it. And that's, again, why that Papa Shot drill can be a really cool thing for people to discover. Yeah. yeah. And this is, you know, one thing that is much easier when we see you playing on the golf course. But yeah. Everybody has usually one tendency that happens when we lose the trust or when we just lose our game. Like for me, I know it is that I, I just get I get too fast. Yeah, I can attest and, to uh, that. <laughs> I, so I know my first go-to when that happens. I need to take a breath and go to a little seventy percent tempo swing. And Lynn, I always know when you lose it. You get I, I go the just the complete opposite. I go slow, and I get a little more perfectionist about my setup, you know. And I get a little more internal, not so external with the target, you know. I'm trying to make sure everything's all like perfect before I hit a, you know, make a swing and your grip make pressure. A, and my grip pressure gets tight. So you, we ne we need to be brutally <laughs> honest, like because all of us have it, but we. When we see golfers mess up on the golf course, sometimes we we say this is the best thing that can happen because we need to fast track your learning on how you get in your own way. So this so is going to happen. That's but really if interesting. You catch, if oh. you can catch that sooner and know like one really important thing, you can get it back so much faster. Because that that's like definitely resonating with me because I have when I'm playing well, I have some like positive triggers. Right. Like we were talking about, like, oh, yeah. you know, you get a feel and it's like, OK, just keep doing that. It, you can't miss. And you're now you're almost talking about you guys notice uh, negative triggers with yeah. both in yourselves and who you coach. What are some other negative triggers you've seen with people you've coached? Like things well, that the, the most common for. one is getting tight. OK. <laughs> or tempo changing often to faster for, for most golfers. And and some make that they just they they rush it. They don't make a clear decision where they're going to go. Yeah. And, you know, for some, it could be technical. They have a tendency to start aiming to the right or left or ball position gets off, but it's always includes these other non-technical things too. And you, you need to get a hold of it. So if you were going to get Sneel for you, what do you think it is? Well, that's what I'm trying to think about. It's, it's I think a really good exercise for me to go and be more aware of it. It's just, the, yeah. it's almost like the, um, the negative information impacts me more, but I don't know like what the, uh, you know, it's almost like, well, oh, you, if I can identify it, oh, look out for this. I think that would really help me. Whereas the positive, when things are going really well, I don't cherish it, I guess, or I don't uh, internalize don't internal, it yeah. as much, but there's some, but I, but I also can identify triggers of like when things are going well, I know, like I, I go back to them every hole, you know, when, when I'm on a roll. So trying to figure out how to break the cycle on the negative side probably starts with like identifying the, the warning signs a little bit of like, what am I? What do you do? Yeah. yeah Charlie, yeah. what do you think is the first thing that happens to him when he, like he's, you know, starts to lose it a little bit. I was just going to say for using it in terms that I've learned from you guys, like the 401 level class, like the expert level stuff in terms of the right side of the brain and channeling mm -hmm. his basic brawl athletic ability on the golf course, like Neil's at ace at that. Like when he's vibing, mm -hmm. he is not, there's not a lot of swing thoughts. He is in total flow state. He is like channels the like exact competitive ball striking golfer that I would want to be, right? But like yeah. the left side is where he, you know, gets in his way with the decision making and 
Um, and I, I, I've, I've said this to him. I think it's like he really needs to start thinking like a scratch golfer. He's just oh, he's satisfied with shots that he shouldn't be because he, he, his expectation for himself should be just a little bit higher. That doesn't mean flogging yourself after a bad one, but it's just like, hey, this is going to go right here. I know it's going to go right here because I'm a really good player. He almost doesn't allow himself to trust that he is that good of a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a saying that we'll only perform at the level that our nervous system is prepared for. Mm. And so a lot of people like prepare for a 73 instead of preparing themselves for a 69. And that's why the 54 is always a good conversation with us because, you know, um, with both Russell and Annika, when they shot 59, like that was good enough. <laughs> but if you can shoot 59, you know, of course you could shoot 56. Or you could shoot 54. <laughs> but I, I was also curious what, what you said there that um, with getting a hold of that not 54 that we call it for you the main thing that gets in your own way because since you're so athletic and so good mm-hmm. I would be interested when you feel cool. you lose it that you you just between shot juggle or you toss a ball or you start throwing a ball at something just to get a hold of your athleticism again okay. before the next yeah, and to be in your body and not up yeah. in your head. Yeah, but do something that you know requires you to be athletic. Yeah, and 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 test if that doesn't help you get back into that athletic state again. Instead I, I of think, being uh, now, I'm I'm trying to think about like when I'm not. For instance, I think it's easier to focus on putting. It's a little more controlled. Um, mm-hmm. And and another one of our partners, DJs, pointed this out to me. When I'm not putting well, it looks like I'm playing putting stroke. Right. It look, it doesn't look, and I've, you know, Solly has brought up like Brad facts and has the continuous motion with the putting. That's really helped me of like, okay, I need to get back to being more athletic when I putt. And so when I'm not, when things aren't going well, probably on the tee too, it's like, I'm getting a little more technical. I'm, I'm going to swing thoughts, but it's this really interesting balance between the, what I think is holding me back from, you know, going lower and, and playing better is that I make the, it's like, you have to, you have to be very focused on the decision-making up until I pick the club. And then now we're in our free throw routine. Right. So it's this interesting balance of like, I got to box play boxes. I got to get, like. I got to get the thinking. I do have to focus on the thinking, but it has to stop at a certain point. And so I need oh, to figure out a way to like, <laughs> I know we're not on video, but like you have got to have a decision line, you no, know, I mean, it's you know, got to be for every shot. Okay. Like, and it's, you know, it's, yeah. the, it's the beauty of golf. Like yeah. every shot, you want to be able to go through your best process for this, every shot. And you're going to need it for as long as you play golf. But for you still like, to find that way to more having trust in your decision making and having a, the caddy skills inside of you, you need to get that. Sure. But then, you know, after the shot is both important to be more objective, but then after they, that do something that gets you back to being athletic. Yeah. Well, and it's easy you know? to like, I just like thinking, you know, if we go to the third hole at Jack's beach, a shortish par four trees on both sides. You can stand on that tee and think, all right, left is probably bogey. If I go way right, that's probably bogey. If I hit the left side of the fairway, blah, blah, blah. And you have to it, – It's I hate the one-shot-at-a-time stuff, but you have to just say, like, no, I have to hit the fairway right now. Like, that is what – that's what my goal is right now. I cannot hit my fourth shot from the tee. I, I, I cannot think past this shot. You have to focus on that one, do it. And when you get to the next one, try to get the most out of the next one. Like, that – where when things are going poorly for me, I'm almost thinking backwards. And, like, man, if I miss the fairway here, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm going to not be able to make par. And I'm not trying to – you know, excel on every shot that I'm hitting almost. Yeah. yeah. That's the avoidance thinking, which exactly. is, yeah. 
which yeah. I, I think you can get, that can be the downward spiral that, that you, you two were talking about of like, and that's when my, uh, when I start to get mental or into the thinking mode over the ball, it's after, it's after a couple bogeys, right? Or, oh man, I, you know, I've got the lefts today. Like we gotta, we, you know, so it's like, you got to focus on that before the pre-shot routine. So I'm going to be, yeah. I'm definitely going to be thinking about one, looking out for almost like the negative triggers, you know, yes. what am I like, let's get away from those. Uh, and I love the pop a shot, like just get a ball out and start tossing it around. I think that anything that can help me be more, think more athletically. Yes. Um, is, and and have an awareness me. of that athleticism. Yeah. And remember, you don't want to think athletically, you want to be. Actually, or be, yeah, 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 exactly. Just get more just sensory, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly. Because the only way you're going to go really low is it's not going to be those days when everything goes great. It's the days when you're going to catch yourself when that sure. not good things happen, but you catch yourself so you're back by the next shot. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 the, yeah. A word that hasn't really come up today that I think drives a lot of this stuff is target, right? And the, when the best golf is being played, I think for anyone, they can look at a spot where they want it to hit. And I can't tell you exactly why my swing is executed in this way, but I know it's going towards that target, right? And that that there's a subconscious layer to that, right? And you guys teach that stuff about right brain yeah. and and understanding how the uh, the importance of being target focused and how that uh, can affect your play. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean anything in life. If I even walk through the door, I need to be target focused. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> if I eat, I need to be target focused. So you know, it's part of life if we're going to go somewhere. Yeah. And uh, so yes, we need it in golf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, but you know, just to that point, I just want to say again, like, you know, the research on internal, external, and and so forth. But it w would be interesting, you know, Neil and, and and Sally, you as well, if you do the Papa shots, just notice again with like if your trust starts to you know diminish, it's not like a hundred percent. Have you gone more internal? Have you lost some of that external connection to the target? Yeah, you know. And just notice, okay, okay, now what if I were to get external again and be able to, you know, write that ship very quickly, like on the next throw yeah. or the next pod or the next shot? A few years ago when we were supporting Mike Weir, he, he just realized that. It's like, when I played my best, I had like 80% target external connection, focus. external, and 20% feeling something in the swing. But he said, I played some years now with it reversed. <laughs> no, and it doesn't work. Yeah. So it's, it's, that would be really good to check up on. That's, yeah. That's the, where I'm at currently. <laughs> the last question I have, or it's around some of the goal stuff, which I've struggled with, I think in the past of like in golf specifically, I'm a little better at like, let's set a big goal and you know, it's the classic so third grade. You an audacious goal, like climbing Mount yeah, Rainier. Yeah. It's like, I can, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you know, you shoot for the moon, if you miss, you land among the stars, classic <laughs> third grade, you know, motivation right but with golf it's a little bit I struggle with maybe imposter syndrome maybe you know it's almost like you have to you know I don't want to say lie to yourself but you know fake it till you make it right and and I so that's where a little bit when I'm when I do when I am four under on the you know ninth tee at the old course and then you end up shooting 75 you know it's a little bit like uh, you know are you are you I I need to sometimes see the ball go through the hoop to believe it, if that makes sense. So when you get to that point, it's like, you know, I, I do you have, I don't know if there's a question there or more than just like, that, I know I'm going to struggle with that. Well, we, you know, we often talk about that with, with goals for, 
for players because everybody is so unique with that. But, you know, there's one part that is more like visioning. Like every day you can dream about shooting your 65s and see yourself play and you you just get this strong inside of you. Like I can just replay myself playing terrific and shooting low scores. And the more you do that, it's going to help. But then you can set your goals. Like I, I by the end of the year, I want to have scratch handicap or whatever this padding stat or whatever outcome goals it could be. But then you need to break it down. What is under your control with that? And when you play St. Andrews and you're four under after nine and then lose it on the backside some, I'm more curious about did you change what you focused on? So you, you need to it need your goals need to land in it could be like I'm going to be objective after every putt today and say something like that. or I'm Objective gonna, or positive. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> going to feel that trust in my gut before stepping into every full shot. That you have decided something you're taking action on because you need that those days when you're four under after nine holes to help you on the backside. Because if it just gets up there, oh, I could shoot really low, you lose being focused for the shots. Yes. So it's almost like you have the the – the big aspirational goal, but then you almost have these continuous goals yeah. of like, I'm right. Like, okay, every, every, this is something I can do on every shot. I have this within my control. A quick story on that. I had, uh, the fall of 19, I the, shot a 31 on the front nine at my local course. And I flipped over and shot 41 on the back. I, it was a total, total collapse. And I, that winter I read, be a player. And the next time I was, I shot a 31 on the front nine. I, a friend of mine was on the putting green and I, he wasn't even, wasn't even playing with us. I said, I'm going to go get you four more is what I said to him. I was like, I'm going to go get four more birdies on the back. He had no idea what I was talking about, but I was trying to will it into existence to say like, I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to go do it. And I got three more on the back nine. Didn't quite make it, but lowest round ever. And look, I can't, I haven't been able to channel that since, but there was a total mindset change of like. I just shot. A, I just shot five under. Like, why would I not believe that I can go do it again? The only thing that would get in the way of that would be to like. It, that's where. Yeah, you have not shot a sixty-four before, but you shot a thirty-two on the front nine at at the old course. Like, you literally just did it. You can do a thirty-two again. Yeah. Yet your mind wants to go to like, let's let's make sure I break forty, so I break yeah. par. And that's where it's. It, it's so easy to say sitting here, but how do you channel that in the moment? Is like the name of the entire game. And it's so funny how nine holes is like that is a amount of holes where I can do it it's that 18 is where it starts to get that's what I'm saying you the just complete get it right know, so how do you how do you convince it's all just convincing yourself yeah. it's like it's the permission well, and it's, it's, it is reframing things I mean you know some players have done well with the three hole matches six yeah. hole matches or three oh, six hole <laughs> six three hole matches yeah, whatever it is you know whatever however you want to compartmentalize it but you know so you're always having to you know okay here we go again new yeah. match yeah. Sure. New mindset. Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious. So from the things we said so far, what are you going to promise to take action on? Uh, I think the mindset stuff for sure. Just being. Uh, I think it starts with a conscious effort be, to be aware of how I'm. You know, am I taking in the bad information in a productive way, and am I aware of like what 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 go you know really kind of reflect and then also next time I play think about think through like. What's what are we doing differently here, you know, to break out of that downward spiral spiral, I think. Um, and then I, I would like to. Uh, it's it, it, the evidence is there of the free throw routine working on the physical side of golf for me. What can I do on the mental side pre shot to think through stuff to make to come to a better decision, something that I can like a process what I'm going to do, you know, what's my 
and I got you know, I, I need to figure this out, but like, okay, where's, is it, where's the trouble? What's the yardage, you know, what club, like what, how do I want to process that decision-making? I need to probably standardize that a little bit better. So those two things for sure. And, and listen into the, the gut, like, do I trust this today? Yeah. yeah. The way I feel right now. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that absolutely, you need to add that. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, Neil oh, and Chris as well, we want to send you an action guide oh. that we've created from Be a Player. I would, so I would we'll love that. You guys. Because I really yeah. enjoyed the book too. So Yeah, there's lots of exercises in there for you to do. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. And yes, I need to, you know, I need to go out and practice too. But that's yeah, you do, but th- these things you can learn while you go and play too. And just just after the rounds, just draw the learnings from it. Yeah. Because that when you said earlier with the wedge proximity, I mean that's just about, you know, you can check technically what's there but you just need to set up more distance wedge training yeah. and get well, some you know it's it's this conversation yeah. is like it's unbelievable because the last three or four months i i am truly hitting the ball the best i ever have but that hasn't yeah. translated into the best i've ever scored if that makes sense it's like yeah. it's not this is not a physical problem like no. yeah there's improvements on my game of course i could you know i could hit approaches better i could putt better but it's it's not that is not what's holding me back. Like I'm very like I'm. That's what's almost the most frustrating about it. Is like, man, you are just yeah. not like you haven't tapped out your current like level of golf potential before you go and you know grind on it exclusively. Boring pars. Yeah. Boring yeah. pars yeah. is the route to low scores. Let's say Neil, you're you're super aware and honest about your game. Yeah. So talking to you like this, we can make sense of it. But many others when they ask, they they don't know. So <laughs> when we go and watch them play, we see things they haven't even thought about sure. in this process of playing. But you, you're, you've been really, really... Well, well we get to watch, we get to go play, fail, and then watch it publicly on YouTube. <laughs> so I've, I've got, I've seen, I've been in the film room a lot with myself of like, man, you got it. Like, it, I, it makes you, and it's good. It's like in college football when you watch the game film, right? It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, you know, it's hard not to learn from, it, it's very easy to put it out of your mind when it's you know you had a bad round, but then when it gets replayed to you three months later, you're like, oh, okay, well, let's try to get something out of this. It is hard yeah. to play on camera, yet it's way easier to learn from watching yourself on For camera. Sure. So that that is a, a help a help we do have. So listen we've taken yeah. up a lot of your guys time we greatly greatly appreciate it. this was exactly yeah, what i was hoping for very this. much yeah, for your so. time this was awesome yeah. and congratulations yeah, on all your success yeah. and your commercial and the yeah. schwab golf uh, challenger video and all that it's uh it's fantastic to see so we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll stay in better contact with you since the last time we, we spoke but thank you so much for your time and uh, and efforts and the help mm-hmm. today i'm sure listeners will love it Thanks. Thanks, Thanks to, to both of you. Yeah. And we'll send that Be a Player action guide out to you guys. Perfect. We will, we will put okay. it in action. So thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, Cheers. Awesome. Bye. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.